Hello, everybody. Welcome to 2023, a new year and a new set of The Media Beat. In the grand scheme of things, we are up to number 17 now and still going strong. We have a large set of guest lists. Oh, guests on one guest list uh, that we're putting together as well. So look out in future episodes for some very exciting guests um, who are going to take us into deep dives into certain areas of media. Um, so obviously very excited about that. But in the meantime, our first episode of the year, uh, I'm of course joined by Maureen Kerr, who heads up the media practice at Arthur D. Little, the world's oldest management consulting firm. Uh, and she works with clients in terms of developing business strategy and also investment strategy with those people who have money to put in media. Uh, Claire Tavernier has had a long and distinguished career. As you know, in media, she has advised, she's commented, she's held very high-level senior positions in a variety of media companies. Uh, and it is, is as always a pleasure uh, to welcome these two expert commentators on the Media Beat. I will first say hello to Claire. Hello, Oliver, and Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you, and similarly to you, Maureen. Happy New Year. Hello, Happy New Year, Oliver. And as some of the best podcasters say, let's dive straight in. Um, and we've been uh, talking over the New Year break, off and on, um, about several factors under, you could say, the heading film. So uh, we thought we would take a decent amount of time uh, to talk about film, the changes that are happening in film, some predicted and some unpredicted, uh, the things that are struggling, uh, whether film is blooming or whether it is under threat. And uh, Maureen, I'll invite you to um, start the conversation. What would you... Uh, what would you say are, they, are the main things that we should be talking about in the area of film? Well, like, firstly, I'd say um, I think uh, film is film in cinema theatre is having its comeback. So anchored by the uh, James Cameron um, sequel, Avatar, uh, The Way of Water, uh, which if you haven't seen it yet, oh gosh, it's amazing. Um, uh, so I think film is uh, starting off well uh, this year in 2023. Um, and I think there's more to come. Um, just looking at some of the statistics uh, we're seeing, and, and good, for, good, 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 good for the theatre distribution. So we're seeing about 20 films will be released um, early part of this year, compared to, say, 13 last year. Um, but Avatar is having a sort of a heyday. Uh, I think it was Chris Wallace that interviewed James Cameron the other day. It's a really good interview if you haven't seen it, uh, where James talks about the creation of Avatar, and of course, this is like, you know, 10 plus, 13 plus years in the making. Um, well, probably five of that uh, is dedicated to, to this film. But I was staggered to, to, to hear that uh, he's, he's expecting five in this franchise, with uh, uh, the third and the fourth, uh, you know, already being made. And he said he's, he's, he's almost 70 plus way through. Um, Avatar 3D. Avatar 3. <laughs> it yeah. won't be 3D. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, he's, and, and he believes, and of course the numbers will come out, I think, next week, that he's almost uh, probably will have, he probably will break even, which is pretty staggering given the cost of this film is, uh, we're talking billions. Uh, um, <laughs> not much, but, um, uh, and, and I think, I think this, is, this is great news for, for, for all the cinema chains. Um, uh, that said, uh, there's also uh, another film we should mention. Um, and that's, that, that is one that, as we were talking about last year, has, uh, has a different approach to coming to market. And that is 
uh, Netflix's um, commissioning of uh, the sequel to uh, uh, Knives Out, and it's a, The Glass Onion. Um, and as we all know, Netflix does not make films for anyone other than its subscribers, and decided to take the film out to uh, cinema across the Thanksgiving weekend, um, and selected around 700 cinema uh, theatres in the US and, and, and picked up some significant amount of money. Uh, but the most interesting thing about it was what it had left on the table. And by that, I meant if it had gone sort of uh, wide release across the cinema chains, uh, then it would have probably picked up, a, say, a 200, 250 million instead of 40 million that it had picked up. But the interesting fact there is uh, in, the, in, the, in the way that it used cinema chains uh, to build up um, uh, almost sort of marketing around Glass Onion, so that we were all kind of like desperately waiting uh, for Glass Onion to drop on the streaming Netflix platform. So amazing that, you know, folks did go to the cinema, but folks also were waiting desperately, and I was one of those, uh, for it to drop before Christmas. So there are two interesting things going on there. Uh, and, I, and I'll be brief on this last point, and that is uh, one of the other films that's come out um, uh, is uh, a film called uh, Megan. Um, it's a it's a horror film, uh, which is typical for those that genre to be released in the first part of the year. Uh, but that film has cost something like you know twelve million uh, uh, budget, and it's already hit say 140, 150 million in uh, box office. Um, uh, and and it'd be interesting, and I'm sure Claire can opine on the sort of marketing approach to 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 Megan. But if you haven't seen the posters already, it is eerie and it's scary. Uh, and uh, I'll leave I'll leave the description to uh, uh, to, to, to Claire. Um, but but, but there are two ends of the spectrum. Uh, you know, a significant, high profile, high budget film, Avatar, is rocking the cinemas. And then you've got Megan, which is a low budget but 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 prescient uh, type of film that's uh, hitting also the cinema screens um, with a with a low budget um, behind it. So there are a the couple of things. Uh, but I think it means that you know cinema could have a better year, certainly a better year this year. Um, and, and we'll be able to monitor that throughout the year. It's interesting, That's isn't it? Do you think there's anything changing socially about people going to the theatre and being excited by it um, or them having so many options? And, of course, massive TVs are so cheap, as is the audio accompaniment, that you can have a real cinematic experience, if that's what you're after, in your in your living room, if you can. Do, do you think there is any change in the, in the way people see uh, going to the cinema as a treat? I know my son, who studied film, is now the, in the film industry, will only go to the cinema when something's released. Um, I don't know. Is that snobbery or is there something changing socially? I, I, no, I think I think it depends on the film. It's as basic as that. Uh, it's the same as Top Gun, you know, uh, Maverick. Uh, uh, that that sound experience and those fighter jet planes, you know, you needed to be in the cinema to really experience that. It, it's just as basic as that. And I, I can't imagine watching Avatar or anyone watching Avatar on a small screen. Um, so Avatar is made for cinema uh, and, and for that experience. An experience with you know, more than three, four, five, six people in a room. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think people are waiting for it and I think people are going back to the cinema. So, um, you know, and, and of course, Glass Onion, uh, you know, is, 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 was dropped at the, uh, sorry, so distributed, launched at the right time, Thanksgiving, where people also sort of go out with their, uh, their friends and family and went out in the US to see that. But also similarly, it's a comedy and people happily, you know, we'll sit down, you know, one or two people or three people 
uh, and watch it streaming. So I, I think it's I think it's very difficult to just give a binary view, a linear view on 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 how people decide between uh, going to the cinema and watching it on a large screen in their homes. It's a, mm. it's it's, uh, it's a little bit more complicated, I think. Yeah, that sounded like that sounded like that fair analysis. Something about watching Maverick as well because it's exciting and it's all a bit macho and stuff. And being in a crowd is quite is quite fun. When I saw that Megan was coming out, a horror film about Megan, I, I was thinking of the Duchess of. Um, Dutch of Sussex, but it's a different, <laughs> um, completely artificial mega. No, no less terrifying, of course. Um, Claire, uh, uh, what? Um, yeah, could you expand a little bit on Megan, the phenomenon and the uh, marketing aspects, and what your what your view is on this? Twelve million, twelve million dollars sounds like peanuts to make a film to me. Yeah, Megan. Megan is interesting. Um, it's not the only one, but it's the most recent one. It's probably the biggest one uh, to have had a really. I would say traditional social media marketing component. That sounds a bit weird because why would be would, would social media be traditional? But because of the pandemic, all of these sort of efforts for grassroots campaigns for the low budget movies that were developing in the early 2010 um, have sort of disappeared. And Megan and there was another movie before that called Smile relaunched that, created, you know, uh, flash mobs, created a little bit of an event, got people that people filmed and put on YouTube and TikTok, etc. And that worked really, really well for them. And uh, a lot of the press was saying, well, look at that, you know, when you market a movie, actually it works. And there is a bit of like, maybe this is an interesting thing. I think it's very interesting with Maureen, the three movies that Maureen mentioned that have indeed done very, very well at the box office uh, within within their respective releases are Avatar, Glass Onion and Top Gun. And it's very interesting because all three are existing IP. And so is Wakanda Forever, which is the fourth biggest blockbuster in, in, the, in the theaters. And I, it feels like a lot of the big studios are saying theatrical releases are risky, Let's bank on existing IP sequels, things that people are comfortable with, they know about, and because they are excited about having the second part or the third part or whatever of, uh, of that movie, they will go and see it. There's an established fan base, and there's less willingness to take risk on, on, on original IP. And Megan is the counter example. It's completely original IP, although, you know, Creepy Doll has been done before, but not this one. Uh, and it, but it did manage to have the second biggest weekend at the box office in the US after Avatar, uh, uh, based primarily on that very good social media marketing campaign. So I, I think that I think is a very promising uh, development because I get a bit sad when I see you know best movies of the year list that are dominated by sequels or existing IP. I think a lot of the creativity in, in cinema comes from original IP. And so even though I'm not personally a horror, movie fan, I think that's brilliant that you can create something completely different and market it differently and get people to the movies. The other thing that I will say that I'm feeling a little bit in the market is people are starting to think these very, very, very short theatrical windows, they may need to be reviewed because actually if people absolutely know that if they wait another 40 days or 45 days, they're going to see the movie in VOD, they may not get themselves to the movies. But if that window is expanded, extended just a little bit so that you're sort of thinking, oh, well, I don't know if I want to wait three months. I kind of want to see it now. You might get more people to the movies and you might then actually prolong the life of the of the movie, including on VOD, because you'll get more views, you'll get more word of mouth, etc. So my sense is that we're going to start 
at least for some of the releases, we're going to start seeing slightly longer theatrical windows come back. I'm not saying we will go back ever to the very long ones that we had pre-pandemic, but I think the extremely short theatrical windows are perhaps for some movies a thing of the past. So yeah, those are my, my, the only other thing I wanted to say is about Avatar, Way of Water, I read somewhere, because the production of that movie was so long and slightly painful, it sounds like. One of the actresses on the movie, uh, an actress called Lady Falco, who has a small role, thought it had already released and that nobody had gone to see it. She had no idea. And just suddenly, you know, it, it came out just like, oh, I thought that was done and gone. And it just had, you know, she had no idea. She'd filmed her scenes three or four years ago and then had never heard anything again. So they, this is the problem with some of these movies with very extended post-productions is, you know, the, the time between shooting the actual movie and releasing it can be can be very long anyway that's that's me on movies there could be a massive um, news event a war or a terrorist attack or someone very famous being assassinated or something that isn't referenced in the film <laughs> and yeah. uh, they've got a to put at the beginning <laughs> yeah this is this is all put together before uh, the eastern seaboard of the united states fell into the atlantic um that's really <laughs> interesting there's a, a couple of nice sort of uh, symmetrical things there and that when we talk to um alex Connor the other week he was talking about ai uh, and its ability to maybe recreate what has gone before another episode of seinfeld uh, but not necessarily come up with this original uh, grain of an idea and it's ironic therefore that actually uh, right now when ai isn't actually writing screenplays but will be soon it's still the tried and trusted formulas and franchises that people are betting on and successfully betting on and yet the breakthrough one is an ai film which is original so there's something uh, kind of uh, there's a strange sort of mismatch there it's a um, great summary of what's happening in the film uh, world ladies thank you and uh, it actually works quite nicely with our second item which we wanted to talk about which was original content um, and I guess there's a balance there again with original content about giving people something that they didn't know they want like Henry Ford said about people being asked what they wanted and the answer being faster horses rather than the automobile the classic example um, uh, and just resting on your laurels and giving them and giving the people what they always want even if there's a, a the law of diminishing returns comes into play so when it comes to original content and things like um, advertising as well Claire um, what, what are your views on if, if it is a balance um, what are your views on on um, original content, original thought, original ideas, and whether um, they will increase, whether they'll always be there, or will people become uh, in, in, in increasingly cautious and want to pump out another, I don't know, Marvel movie or, um, or, or whatever that may be? Yeah, I think there, there are a couple of things. There is um, there's definitely more and more, uh, in a, well, there's been a sort of peak derivative content that I feel like we've probably reached last year where, you know, I'm going to say some of it was very good. I mean, derivative content can be very good. Obi-Wan was an example and there were, there were a few, you know, really great, especially Disney series that were based on, on existing content. But there was a feeling because the investment in original, in new streaming content was so high because the cost per episode had gone so, had skyrocketed to a level that was just so extreme. The feeling was in order to, to decrease the risk that we're taking financially, we have to hang our hats on something that people are already aware of. So, Lord of the Rings, um, uh, the House of Dragon, etc., etc. 
Now we're seeing two different things. We are seeing a bit less enthusiasm for huge investment in, a, in new streaming content next year. And this is, you know, Netflix is starting to say, you know, we were going up by 20% a year. We might be going up by more like eight or 10, which is with the inflation where it is. It actually is more like staying flat, to be honest. Um, Disney is not saying anything, but sounding like they might also start slowing down on things. Amazon certainly not in, in announcing huge budgets like they, like they did. And then quietly, Netflix has started doing something else, which is to cancel series. Now, Netflix and cancellation is always weird because they don't really announce them. But in the last um, couple of, uh, in the last week, actually, they've, they've, they've announced that they weren't commissioning a second season for two, uh, for two big series, 1899. Uh, and uh, Toucan Bertie, which is a, which was a sort of um, nice little uh, comedy series, animated comedy series. And that there was there was an outcry of lots of people. But those were very typically high budget, talent driven uh, productions that they were happy to take a risk on last year. But if they're not finding an audience, if they're not getting the numbers, they're not going to keep doing those things. So I think what we're going to see this year is. I'm hoping perhaps slightly less reliance on existing IP, but also I think a decrease in in the investment in content, in original content. Uh, a sort of, we may have reached peak. Uh, I hate this sentence, but that's the second time I'm using it. So there we go. Uh, I, you know, we may have reached the maximum spend on on original content uh, for the time being. I'm kind of hoping we have because I think it's become a bit crazy and and attainable for a lot of people and it's sort of it's cutting a lot of a lot of production companies and broadcasters out of the market and we may be looking at slightly lower budget more original slightly more risk-taking sort of content that would be my that would be the ideal scenario for me the the slightly less positive scenario is that uh because uh netflix and disney are now also advertiser driven to some extent they may retreat into very safe areas so reboots restarts uh, more and more expanding existing IP uh, with with lower budget. So we, we shall see what happens. No, it's interesting, isn't it? I suppose there's, there's, there's rehashing old stuff that's in the bank. Then there's new stuff which relies on things that we know people will get, such as uh, Lord of the Rings. And then there's completely new ideas, which are harder to find, harder to produce, more of a gamble. So Maureen, you are, as an advisor to many investment um uh, companies in, in all things media I guess you're an expert in balancing risk reward what's your what's your views on on the the balance between playing safe and maybe getting the next new big thing well I, I guess when to, to, I, I totally agree with everything that Claire's Claire's just said um, I think we should though put it in context I mean we're still talking about a significant amount of money being spent uh, by by Disney uh, Discovery, Warner Brothers Discovery, um, Paramount, and the like. I mean, just combined, Disney and uh, Warner will be spending, you know, twenty billion. So, I mean, these are these are huge numbers. I think, I think, I think, as as, as Claire said, it, it is starting to plateau. And 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 I think that given that money is uh, is going to be scrutinised more so, um, certainly with uh, the Discovery CEO Zaslav saying, uh, and also did Iger. Uh, you know, we'll be chasing profits, 
uh, not top line. So, so I think there's going to be a demand of the creatives inside organisations and uh, the production houses uh, that that feed big uh, big broadcasters and big studios and streamers. Uh, they're going to be a lot of pressure on you know smarter, smarter um, and distributable uh, for international audiences. Um, so pro types types of programming. So I think I think I think it I think it's good. Uh, uh, and then I think we'll start to see. So yeah. So in in essence, I think there's going to be it's more discerning, uh, l more creativity, less. See, see so when you say less risk taking, it's no, it's going to be. Uh, I, I'll use the word discerning. So um, smarter, definitely smarter, smarter type of uh, commission. I think that will go on. Um, and also, let's not forget that um, a lot of these streamers of 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 sort of you know need to worry about a second thing now. So they've been worrying about their subscriptions, worrying about, of course, you know, cinema goers, <laughs> uh, and now they've been worried about uh, what they report to um, the uh, um, the agencies, the advertising agencies. Uh, because they'll need to show the right type of audiences now coming to whichever platform they would like to establish their advertising video on demand. Um, so, so there's a, there's a lot for these uh, big uh, big media companies to consider and think about, um, including you know the likes of Netflix, uh, you know Disney, ITV, um, and the like. So, um, yeah, I think th I think this is going to be a year of cautious optimism. Is my is my phrase for, for, for them. Yeah. Claire, you want to come back on that? Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that's interesting when you look at, especially Netflix, I think, and perhaps Paramount as well, is if you look at this, the shows that they've been pushing recently, you're starting to see a lot of factual and, um, and reality shows, which, you know, obviously wasn't something that they were investing a lot on. And Netflix, as is their way, started by acquisitions and acquired a lot of reality shows from various booths both the UK, the US, Australia, etc., and now it's producing their own. And I think that's another way to create interesting, popular, advertiser-friendly content that is much less expensive uh, than, and, and you know, shorter, timely lead times as well than, than highly high-end TV dramas. And I think added to that as well, Paramount has, uh, you know, has uh, set up its fast channel, of course, uh, with, with Pluto TV, and now we're seeing a whole bunch of sci-fi related uh, yeah. uh, uh, channels. And you know, I'm a particularly big fan of Star Trek, so uh, you know, it's uh, I'm glad. <laughs> so there'll be some new commissions, but also the back, the back, the back catalogue of great stuff that I can't wait to see. You know, we always talk about the economics, uh, macro and microeconomics, the economics of the big players sort of uh, uh, affecting whether original content is focused on. It, it just occurs to me that it's like big business affecting artistry in a way uh, and, and the direction of creativity. A little bit like, I don't know, uh, the powerful religious groups in early years commissioning uh, great artists to make their cathedrals look fabulous. Is there a parallel between how people with power and money have an influence on the type of art that's created? Of course, the great composers all had um, uh, uh, um, aristocratic people who funded them, basically. Is this a sort of modern equivalent of, uh, of that kind of uh, economics versus artistry and the one influencing the other, do you think? Well, all TV and film, yeah, all TV and film have always been... Uh, you know, people produce what people want to see. 
uh, when HBO, a good example of that is when HBO starts taking off and, you know, HBO was all about sex and violence and suddenly everybody was creating new sex, very sexy and violent shows with incest preferably. Uh, and that's, that's uh, before that soap operas came about and they were sponsored by, you know, detergents and they had a very specific target, which is housewives. So the content started skewing towards, towards that, that audience. So I think, yes, absolutely. Uh, the people with creative hats on will work towards whatever brief is on the table. Uh, and, but that's normal. That's, that's, that's always the case with creatives. You can't really create in a vacuum, I think, unless you're maybe a modern art sculptor. But, you know, most of this mass media content is, and I include, you know, the original classical music in that, is created to find an audience and a, pat a patron that's going to pay for it. Yeah. No, that's a that's a yeah, that's a very good point. And no art is created in a vacuum. That's uh, well, that's almost quotable. I'm sure has anyone ever said oh, that you. before? Oh my goodness me, that's one of they'll say they, they'll say that on, on podcasts in the future. They'll say that's 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 a typical tavernier. That one, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, as usual, uh, this is an education, so I've uh, uh, learned a lot as as usual uh, about the film industry and original content. Magnificent. We move now on to rumours, as ever. And um, Claire, like you said, we our mailbox is bulging. Uh, we had uh, a letter flood in um, from a friend of the show, a long-time collaborator, Emily Horgan. Uh, and um, she was uh, giving us something to feed our rumours section around the never-ending story of the rotating door that is um, Disney. So Maureen, um, what intel were we able to pick up uh, about Disney this week? Well, it was a very uh, it was it was a very large bin liner full of bags that you you, you DHL to me uh, to go through our fan uh, mail. So so thank you for that task. I actually didn't say fan mail. I just said mail. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so 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 it, and the letter was headed, which I love, the Iger Succession Tarot card, which I think is brilliant. So thank you, Emily. Uh, um, so it's so a big news. Big news, which continues, which continues, um, and, and that is, will there be another Bob? So, uh, uh, so our wonderful uh, Emily has, uh, as of course, she's an avid listener, um, has suggested uh, somebody that's not Bob, uh, which I, which I think is amazing. Um, and uh, she, but she's 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 saying or suggesting, and I think we're all agreeing that it could well be Cheryl. Uh, so, um, oh, and wow. indeed, I know. I know, so I, I'm, I'm quite, um, I'm quite curious, and of course, I don't know how long we're going to have to wait. I would imagine, I reckon that they probably would announce something over the summer. So let's let's have a look. But I think she wanted to also add, if I recall, Rebecca Campbell to the list. Yes, I think um, Cheryl was 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 a rumor that she that she'd heard. Was a rumor, yes. Uh, which I think you know is an interesting one. Although I would say, and we're talking about Cheryl Sandberg, obviously Cheryl's name tends to be put in on any table that's looking for a CEO. Uh, but uh, I think the idea of a woman is definitely intriguing because there aren't that many women on the list, uh, but there are there are a few, and uh, I think. Um, the other option, Rebecca Campbell, is also an interesting one. Uh, the, the general feeling I'm getting is from both Emily and, and other articles is that because uh, Bob 
traffic didn't work out and he didn't come from the creative side, there's going, there's a sense that they will this time definitely try to go with somebody who's got creative chops, which may rule out our friend Cheryl, but we shall see uh, whether that that's uh, that's enough or not. She, she definitely has other other key credentials. The other thing that Emily said, uh, which is of course valid, is when last time we talked about fast channels briefly, and I said that sports and news were perhaps the only areas where fast channels made any sense. And she very rightly said that uh, kids content would also be a really good option for fast channels, which I think is worth mentioning because it's, it's definitely true. Not good point. Great. So keep the mail coming in, uh, folks. It doesn't have to be fan mail, but anything nice you want to say or any suggestions for improvement. Um, this is annual review time at uh, at um, Arthur D. Little, Maureen, as you know. So uh, we're always looking for, what do we say? Positives and development points rather than, uh, yeah, or, or positives and um, possible disciplinaries in my case. So um, let's move on. Uh, the next rumour, uh, it comes under the term a rather clever and intriguing term of search um so uh, possible uh, changes fundamental changes in the way we search and generate stuff um which we put under the rumors title um claire could you take us through the the, the thinking behind having search as a rumors as a rumors topic well, it's it's really about OpenAI and chat, it's the, the chat GPT technology, which you know, to be honest, uh, we we've heard about it here with when uh, Dr. Alex was here and he mentioned it. But since then, and this was only uh, not even a month ago, since then, uh, chat GPT has become the talk of the town. And interestingly, Microsoft, I did not realize this. Microsoft was an early investor in, in OpenAI who owns ChatGPT, but they're just, and you know, this is a rumor that's getting more firm by the minute. They've basically said that they would come back and reinvest and be the lead reinvestors in a new round of $10 billion that ChatGPT, that OpenAI is, is, is raising at the moment, which is, which is obviously a lot of money. But um, the interesting question is, is why is Microsoft interested? And there are two areas that seems to be to be where they see clear benefits. The first one is actually to improve their office suite. So we're talking Word, PowerPoint, and Excel, and use the ChatGPT function to make them more intuitive to use. And I think that makes complete sense. And those are still the software packages that are most widely used in the world and to maintain some um, to, to, to be at the leading edge of development there makes sense. But the other one is, I think, more in more interesting in the short term for us, which is the combination of potentially of the ChatGPT engine with the famous, infamous Microsoft search engine Bing, which never quite took off. Uh, in you know, never was never really rose to a proper um, a proper uh, competitor of Google, but may finally have its moment. Uh, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with Google search at the moment. I mean, I don't know if you're anything like me. Whenever you search. For anything you start, you have to start growing through three or four pages of, you know, mm. ad-funded uh, answers, and that includes my my in-laws trying to get an ESTA for the U.S. and clicking on the wrong link and ended up paying ninety dollars. So it's just become a bit of a problem. The the low visibility of what's in, what's a fake ad and versus versus genuine content, and of course, ChatGPT combined with Bing would be a very powerful search engine. I've I've been playing with the with the platform a little bit and you do get amazing results if you ask the question right as 
you guys may have seen because I sent Duran, I tried to get um, the description of the rail strike in the style of Jane Austen, which was fairly hilarious. But that's maybe not practical on a daily basis, but very fun. But people have been searching things like what's the best road bike to, to get started with cycling or, you know, which webcam should I use? And ChatGPT basically has, as Alex said, has eaten the entire internet and then spits out results. What it doesn't do yet is link it to a fit to website where you could potentially buy something or get more information, etc. But you could see how that could be combined with Bing to get something that would be incredibly powerful. Now, we can only assume that Google is also developing their own AI chat system, which they haven't released to uh, the wider world. So they may come up with something equivalent in the future. But in the meantime, Microsoft is is investing in ChatGPT, and I think it will be very interesting. Maybe also something that they end up using with their video game um, engine as well. So you can definitely see the links with various businesses that they already own. Maureen. And can I add it? Sorry. And Claire, added to that, um, I picked up this week uh, that uh, the advertising agency uh, really is taking this seriously. And BBDO, uh, every single employee is now mastering stable diffusion. And oh, will, wow. um, I know, I know. And will, uh, um, and sees this as the anchor point for everything around what they can do. Uh, in a marketing capacity, capacity and marketing campaigns for their clients. So uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's hype. I think, I think there's some, there'll be some real cases, use cases that we can comment on over as the weeks go by. I think it's a, a phenomenal step. I, 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 I'm big on Microsoft. Big on Microsoft, as I said in predictions last year. I love Microsoft. Microsoft is is my lovely company, as is Trade Desk. The, the two of them hand in can hand. You, can you, can can what a, what a, what a difference a couple of decades make to, to Microsoft. Mm. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they went through a little bit of a, uh, of a tough time, but yes, a it's trough. true. They're doing some really interesting things now. They're a bit like, I, I was uh, like in Microsoft, a bit like IBM. They're, they, they're so big that they yeah. have the ability to reinvent themselves. Mind you, I've always loved Microsoft. And even when people were saying, no, we're going to go on Google Docs and Google Sheets, Excel is just the most perfect. If you are a, a spreadsheet nerd, it, it's just the most perfect program. It's finished. It's complete. It's lovely. Well, it's, imagine it's... it with ChatGPT included. You could do Excel in the style Ooh, of Jane Austen. What's not to Oh, work? that would be <laughs> great. Amazing. Oh, Actually, yes. Microsoft is my Madonna. Microsoft is my oh. Madonna. <laughs> Changes every decade. <laughs> right. That yeah. is true. Looked a bit ropey to begin with, but is remarkable for her age now. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I hope I cut that one out. It was funny. I was playing around with um, the uh, the image making AI, uh, where you put in something like uh, you, you want to see Harry Kane riding a walrus or something, and it comes up with something amazing. Um, for I, I don't think I'm ever going to use a person now if I'm going to create some artwork for a podcast, because yeah. it just came up well, with yeah. some really, really cool imagery, which I could use and unique and, and in, a, in a style that I, uh, I found really, um, really uh, interesting. It's funny, um, what you talked about there, Claire, um, was basically the semantic web which is something that's been talked about for how many years? I don't know if that's a yeah. mainstream term, but uh, uh, we talked about the semantic web, in other words, the machine understanding what you're actually saying. Uh, and that, of course, that's not just searching the old-fashioned massive multi-index database. It's got to have that bit in it that it's learned from the past as to what the human 
means by what he's asking to see or she's asking to see and take me to the place where I'm most likely to get an advantage. That that thing about the right when you apply for official certification uh, and you get these advertised uh, websites coming up to charge ninety dollars. It's it's just horrible, almost criminal, daylight robbery. Because there's so many, of course, that cost nothing to um, nothing to do if you go on Gov uh, website. Anyhow, that was exciting and very interesting. Um, oh yeah, the other one that you did, I remember, and this is just for people to um, have a go if they're going to use Chat GPT, which is um, all their servers are full. By the way, the last two times I've tried, so it's really taken off in a viral sense. It was explained mathematics in the style of Doctor Seuss. Um, Doctor Seuss that I can't. Bear, I find it moronic, but when he's describing maths, it is quite it is quite funny. I had an embarrassing <laughs> moment. Ted is describing math in in the style of yeah, exactly. It's not even him. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, exactly. No, I realise. Yeah, yeah. I realise they haven't. I realise they haven't employed him and Jane Austen to sit there. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, they that. Oh, maybe they have. I had a terrible moment, Maureen. You know, uh, Dr. Michael Iden, who's the head of um, AI at uh, Arthur D. Little, uh, one of the most learned uh, people on that subject. And I said to him in a meeting, uh, just when there was a lull, have you heard about this chat GPT thing? And he looked at me and went, yes, obviously. And he's such a lovely guy uh, that he hardly ever is sarcastic. So I I asked the head of AI at one of the world's leading management consultancies, had they heard of chat GPT, the most talked about piece of AI equipment on the planet? He still sort of likes me, but that was really rather embarrassing, I have to say. Um, Okay, we have to move on. Time waits. No, is it time waits for no man? I don't think it is. I think that's a a misquote. But anyway, basically, the clock keeps running is the the genuine genuine notion behind it. Uh, So we're on to lightning fast uh, and the podmojis. Okay, and we can be as... um, uh, as lateral in our thinking when coming up with the pop emoji as we want to be uh, and we have ooh, five to discuss so uh, as quickly as we normally go through it which is sort of medium pace really uh, I'm going to go to Maureen first and say uh, lightning fast podmoji podcasts which is a bit meta uh, yeah it's, I, I'm out of practice aren't I for these uh, pod podmoji big big smile podcasts right good again <laughs> lightning fast uh, being something of a, a poor description of this round uh, which we will now rename Maureen thinks for a bit uh, podmojis so I think what I ascertained from that is that uh, you have a positive shiny outlook in the world of podcasts which I had heard recently was showing shines of slowing down Yes, my my podmoji is the 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 face, the smile that's sideways. Yeah, we don't know. Sideways oh, smile. And, uh, for the record, Claire just I, did it, and so she gave us a sideways smile, which was sort of, yeah, it was sort of, it was sort of entering the uncanny valley. The uh, yeah, the Megan exactly. Valley. It didn't really look like the you, Claire. Megan Valley. Disturbing. I, yeah. But that's a different okay. uncanny valley. If I'm I'm the human that tries to look like a robot, that's the, that's the opposite. You're coming the, the other way. Valley, so yeah. They, yeah, exactly. I'm coming the other way. No, I think podcasts are slowing down a bit. Uh, well, certainly the monetization isn't growing as fast as people were hoping. Obviously not ours, which is doing amazingly, but um, other people might start to feel the pressure and uh, there might be a bit of a slowdown in in commissioning a podcast this year it'll be interesting to keep an eye on it feels like something of a saturation yeah maureen did you want to come back on that perhaps you were 
Well, I, I was uh, I was reminded of what I'm supposed to do. So, uh, so with uh, Claire's beautiful description and facial description as well, uh, I, I then thought of a cartwheel. So, a cartwheel. That's my. So okay. Oh, that's what that was doing. Right. Okay. <laughs> that, it, it might work on YouTube. It doesn't work particularly well on audio podcast. So, for the record, uh, not only have we had a sideways smile, we've also had uh, Maureen looking like she's having something of a fit. She's doing it again now. Uh, which is nice. So, and that apparently is an international sign of a cartwheel. So, um, thank you for that. So, we'll move on. I tell you, we'll just let Claire do this one first. Um, Podmoji, Channel Four. Okay, Channel Four, Podmoji is a victory sign because uh, they have cancelled the privatisation. Now, we talked about the privatisation. Which I said that I didn't think it was necessarily a bad idea in principle, but that the reason the government was doing it and the way they were doing it or considering doing it was not impressive, let me put it that way. So I, I'm actually delighted that they've decided to move away from it. I'm interested by what the um, culture minister said, which is that they want to let Channel 4... Uh, produce their own content, which would be a big shift in the landscape of the UK TV production. But uh, generally, I think it's good news. It's good news for everybody. I'm happy. Maureen? Uh, a deck chair. Mine's a emoji deck chair. A deck chair, like a deck chair on a Titanic, where they're just simply moving deck chairs around. I, Your I think this is, is, is that a podmoji? I mean, that's a whole cartoon. <laughs> Just the why bit. So the why bit is. I, I don't think this is uh, off the government's agenda. That's all. I'm just saying oh, they are okay. basically pushing. It, it could have been a can of can of something. They're pushing a can down the road. That's my that's my view on this. I think it's great news for the time being. Uh, I am a little a little concerned that 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 that, that, uh, that the whole reason to forestall this is in order to protect the in, independent production uh, sector in the UK. But if indeed it's not, nothing to do with that, by the sounds of it, because they're allowing. Uh, Channel Four now to make their own content, so um, so I'm not quite sure that's a bit of a conflict. But no, no, for me, I think this is definitely something that will happen. It's just a matter of when, and it clearly isn't going to be this year. Uh, but I still think it will happen. So the deck chair element is about just a lot of noise, a lot of moving the deck chairs. Oh, I get it. Right. And then there's it's, it, the inevitable is going to happen. Uh, I, I, I therefore get someone uh, like some old boy uh, in the Wild West sitting on one of, sitting on the stoop with a shotgun and he's pointing it out at somebody. And then he just puts it down and puts it on his lap and then just taps it with a gnarled old hand as if to say, not now. But maybe sometime. But soon. <laughs> hey, but well, soon. I think it's much more creative than me. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, is that a pod mochi? But anyway, never mind. That's the point of the game. The <laughs> point of the game is really <laughs> to get uh, to get your opinions on sentiment, really. So uh, the next, oh golly, here he comes, Elon Musk again. Golly, that man's so annoying. Apparently, he got bullied at school, which is the most the, the worst thing that can possibly happen. And bullies are something I cannot stand. But you look at him sometimes, and you go, I bet you didn't help yourself, mate. Um, so, probably <laughs> to describe Elon Musk's next buy. Maureen, your turn. Okay, so Elon Musk then, the, the, I conjure up an image of a big, gigantic skyscraper emoji. So he's right, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's right at the top of that building. He has no idea what's going on in the real world down below. So below the clouds, he has no idea. However, 
However, there's mist just away. Uh, ah. He can see the earth. He can see the earth now. And I think he's going to make the smartest acquisition move. If indeed this rumor is correct, and I know we're doubling up on the rumors and uh, lightning fast, and that's why it's taking me so long, uh, uh, that, that he's going to potentially buy a Substack. And I think that's a bloody good move, a smart move. That would be. So all he's going to do is follow all those Twitter folks who are leaving Twitter, and then he'll just buy up all those other companies where they're jumping to. <laughs> but no, Substack really? is, a, is, a, is a good one. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just speculating. Uh, so for me, big tower, ivory tower, and then the mist around it, and then it evaporates, and then <laughs> he's okay. going to buy a Substack. <laughs> I certainly like the metaphor. It's, um, you wonder how many pixels there are in an emoticon, uh, and and how how much content can be stacked into those pixels. But even so, I get what you're I get what you're saying. You're also also one step ahead with Elon. Everyone's so pissed off with him now, and his complete household name. But you're saying, aha. There is something yet to come, another twist, and he's going to do something ingenious. Good. You heard it here first on The Media Beat with Maureen and Claire. Claire, Elon Musk, next buy. Well, I'm a bit torn on this one, but I'm sorry. Elon Musk trumps in, in smart buy, and I'm going with the eye roll emoji. I can't. I can't with him. I just can't. I, I know he's smart, and I know I should be looking at it. And it's true. I completely see that Substack is in very... Very interesting choice for him, but the, the the personality just I can't. So I roll, I roll emoji. Oh, nice! Yeah, no, I, I demonstrated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just like yeah, he is. He's one of those. Oh, yeah, I understand. Good. Uh, next one. Oh, I like this next one. Uh, it is Claire's turn, and it is Le Coupe du Monde or Du Monde. Uh, World Cup, is what I'm trying to say. The World Cup. I think, um, I mean, I'm going to, I have to put a little French fly emoji at this point, can't, don't I? I mean, there's no other thing I can put. We didn't win. The, the Argentinian uh, emoji we, might make sense. <laughs> no, no, because we went to the final and we were very happy about it. And actually, the Argentinians deserve to win. No, but the point about the World Cup was... I think there was a lot of skepticism when it started, a lot of controversy around the choice of location, obviously, Qatar, a lot of controversy about some of the decisions that were taken, like very late in the day, the fact that they couldn't sell any alcohol, even though uh, one of the sponsors was Budweiser, which I thought was quite interesting. But um, in the end, I think it was a success. Uh, I think viewing figures were very decent. In a way, people were quite happy, I got the sense, to have this big sporting event in the middle of winter for us when the weather is horrible and uh, you really want to be... It was quite nice to be stuck at home watching football. And it was quite well organised and relatively well behaved. And generally, I think, a, a much bigger success than perhaps people were expecting. Um, so yes, I, I oh sorry, I need it. Well, no, I have said my emoji. I'm sticking with the French flag. French flag. <laughs> uh, no, I understand why. Congratulations, France! Two finals in a row. It's stuff we can only dream of. Oh dear, uh, European Championship, World Cup, back to back. Oh golly, it's an absolute. It's it's, it's mythical um, from our perspective. So congrats. <laughs> um, at least your captain is also the captain of Tottenham, the greatest club football side, as everybody knows. Maureen, World Cup in Podmoji, or indeed um, extended scene, whichever you feel is appropriate. Okay, picture this. <laughs> <laughs> picture this. Little messy legs. 
These are messy legs. With As a, in legs that aren't particularly stripes. tidy or those that are actually attached Leo Messi? Oh, no, no, Messi, Messi, N-E-S-S-I. Got him, the player, yeah. right. Little Messi, Messi, the player, the player, little legs. The tribute, because I think he's never going to play. Well, he, this is his last World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, Definitely. so little Messi with his blue and white background and his ah. little legs. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. That's my... Have it I got there? Have I got part. the picture now? Yeah. Perfect. I can see him uh, with his um, slightly more fashionable haircut than he had when he was young. I've actually seen him play at Wembley versus Tottenham. Absolutely oh, miraculous. He's, um, yeah, one of those strange players that you look at the 22 out on the pitch and you go, oh, right, him. Uh, he was amazing. They destroyed us, 4-2, I think. Um, finally, uh, for Lightning Fast Podmoji. Just before you go, just before you go, there's a New York article, New Yorker article about uh, Messi. Uh, Lionel Messi is absolutely staggeringly interesting, and it's all about you know that that that, that he he walks more than he plays. Oh yes, and everyone oh, yes. is everyone Yay. is frustrated about that. It doesn't run. Psych- it doesn't run. Uh, but the psychology and the tactics around his play on on the pitch for ninety minutes is probably actually 10, 15 minutes of running, you know, or rather shooting, you know, scoring, uh, and the rest is tactically positioning himself. Uh, uh, and walking around, and I thought it was a fascinating article. I, I'm not a football person, so I was I was fascinated by that. You know, it is and when you watch him uh, again, it's really unusual. Obviously, your eyes are all messy when you're watching a game that he's playing in, but it's true. Yeah, he wanders around. You think, ah, what's the big deal? And then, oh, he did something that was uh, virtually impossible. Uh, and it's yeah, it's it's just this combination of his observation, his being able to see things in 3D, he's being able to understand what's going to happen next, his skill, his speed, he's ridiculous. Um, so, uh, yes, one more to go. And uh, I'm going to go to Maureen on this one. And it is uh, Lightning Fast Podmoji for Eric Maria Remarque, or Remarque, uh, as everybody knows, author of All Quiet on the Western Front. Maureen. Um, I've got a big exclamation mark and a dot. Does that mean two dots? Or are you counting the dot within the exclamation mark as the dot you mentioned? As the dot, so the exclamation mark has a dot. It, it certainly does. Right, so it's not a special <laughs> double-dotted exclamation mark. Good, excellent. Uh, we clear po- about what that point, is. There's a, there's, a point, there's a point to that. It's like period. It's like... I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over from Maureen there. Uh, the, the reason... Um, well, let's hold on. I need an exp- oh, Yes, surprise emoji. I'm going to, to mime it for the people in the video. Oh, that was brilliant. French mime at its very best. That's the, the French came out there. It was very Marcel Marceau. Uh, exactly. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed that. So, um, All Quiet on the Western Front, German language, war movie, based on the Eric Maria Remarque book of the same name, uh, produced by Netflix, Surprise long list winner of the BAFTA. I got 19 nominations in the long list. May not get anything in the shortlist, but got 19 um, nominations in a long list, including best film, and that be, best film in the not, not in the English language, which you'd expect, but also best film and best director. And I think people were very surprised by that. Uh, it sort of came out of nowhere, uh, in, a, in a year with a lot of fairly good movies and author movies, etc. Um, and I think it opens up this world of films not in the English language being now considered alongside films in English, which is sort of new. It started, I don't know if it started with Parasite. Parasite was probably the big breakaway hit, but we're seeing more and more of this. We're seeing much more appetite for content not in the English language generally, but certainly for films and pushed by the, the streaming platforms. I think that's a really good thing. So well done, 
uh, Netflix and well done German cinema. You may not have this, Claire, because you speak so many languages, but uh, when, when you are reading long subtitles, it starts off really irritating and then you just get completely into it if the film is good enough. I wonder if, do you remember a film called Etre et Avoir? Yeah. And it was just a massive hit. And it was like this, this primary school teacher talking French to a load of primary school children. God knows why I actually watched it because I've been like, no, next. Absolutely enchanting. It, was, it is one of my favourite films ever. Uh, and obviously not English language. And also about a tiny primary school in, in, in a, in a small French town. It's, it's incredible. I'll film. tell you a know. funny thing. I do speak various languages, but I... It's very hard for me to, for instance, uh, watch a movie in German with English subtitles. My brain stops working. Uh, I oh, is it like either... if someone? <laughs> yeah, it's like someone yeah. puts up the word red in green color. <laughs> yeah, that's say, exactly that's what green. it is. So, <laughs> I I can watch a German movie with German subtitles or French subtitles, and I understand a good portion of the German. But if the English subtitles show up. I don't understand anything anymore. It stops. I can't read the English subtitles. I can't listen to German. So I, that, that, yeah. that's a problem. So, yes, there you go. That's my... It's that's probably because the same part of your brain is brain. trying to do the same thing at the same time, right? Or, yeah, know, the, it's the, yeah. The, literally just beeps. <laughs> Not a good no. look. Right. I'm so glad I'm monolingual. But as you know, my French is massively <laughs> improving um, through working with you. And my French relatives would be... Uh, Très, très, très heureuse. No, I don't know. I really can't do it. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. We've come to the end. It's been a bumper edition in the end uh, due to Lightning Fast not quite living up to its <laughs> name. We might have to rename it sort of Trundles Along. Uh, and now a game of Trundles Along happily at, a, at its own pace. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but uh, no, no matter. It, it, I think we're, we're starting to compete with stable diffusion when it comes to generating new images. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, yeah. what do you think, Maureen? Stable diffusion. I, yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. But but I think we've combined two things and, and my brain can't cope with that. So we've got lightning fast plus emojis. I, 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 I can't do both. I just can't do both. It's like me and well, the subtitles. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's one or the other. One or the other, I think. Well, I like the pod emojis and I like the fact that they're getting slightly more um, (laughs) involved as well, despite being, you know, 24 pixels by 24 pixels. Um, But we have, uh, we're we're, uh, over time, really, to be honest. So I think we better uh, wrap it there. Do not forget that we have an exciting uh, list of guests to be revealed very shortly. And as Claire always remembers to say, please um, do the old like and subscribe, even comment. Um, but for now, it is time to say goodbye to Claire and thank you. Bye, Claire. Goodbye, Oliver. And similarly, goodbye and see you in the office uh, to Maureen. Bye-bye, Maureen. Bye-bye. This is emoji. Bye-bye. Uh, for the record, Maureen's doing just strange stuff. Have a great time. <laughs> Until next time, uh, when we'll see you again. Bye for now. <laughs>